This is Strength Agenda Radio, the podcast where the strong go to get smarter. Each episode features some of the most interesting athletes and coaches in the strength world, sharing their favorite stories, expertise, biggest mistakes, and training tips. And now, here's your host, Tom Soroka. What's up, boys and girls? We are back. Welcome to episode 11 of Strength Agenda Radio. We appreciate your patience getting this season ready, but we wanted to make sure that we had the best lineup possible and great shows in store for you. I wasn't sure it was possible, but I think this season's lineup tops last season, not only with the quality of guests, but with the information that is shared. We talked to some of the best and brightest athletes in the strength world, coaches to the elite, as well as some of the best multitaskers in strength and conditioning by virtue of them being able to both run a successful business and continue to train at a high level. So grab your BCAs or your protein shake, turn the volume up, and enjoy the start of Season 2 Strength Agenda Radio. Like I start off all my classes every day, give me two claps and a Ric Flair. <laughs> Woo! Alright boys and girls, this might not come as a surprise to you, but I'm a bigger guy, and I have been for years. I remember the first time I had to take one of those medical exams to get life insurance. I scored horribly. Not because I wasn't healthy or fit, but because traditional insurance companies evaluate your health on an outdated standard called the BMI. Newsflash, that's not a great indicator of health for somebody who lifts weights or works out on a regular basis. So I've partnered up with Health IQ because I 100% believe in what they're doing. Rather than going the traditional route, Health IQ is a life insurance agency that offers exclusive rates to those that can demonstrate they know what a healthy lifestyle is and prove it through various methods like their Health IQ quiz data from your fitness apps, and other unique ways. The advantage of working with Health IQ is that their unique mortality model is based on ensuring the health conscious and they have lower rates for health conscious people, like a good driver gets on savings with auto insurance, and unique underwriting, replacing the BMI with waist to hip ratio, cholesterol calculations, and other methods. Stop paying more than you need to, or worse, avoid getting life insurance altogether because you're afraid you won't qualify for great rates. 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance, and that can be you too. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash agenda, or mention the promo code agenda when you talk to a Health IQ agent. According to studies, lifting reduces your risk of heart disease and type 2 diabetes, among other benefits, like, you know, having awesome videos to post on Instagram. But Instagram views and followers won't be able to help you save money on your life insurance. So head on over to healthiq.com to learn more and get your free quote today. All right, welcome to Strength Agenda Radio. Um, My guest at this time, I just real quick want to talk about the Highland Games and the fact that for being such a fringe, you know, sport, so to speak, it has introduced me to a plethora of just awesome human beings, just freaks of nature when it comes to um, throwers and athletes and stuff like that. And today I have one of those freaks, so to speak, on the show, uh, Dan Tennyson, all the way out in, I'm drawing a blank. Dan, where are you from? Wichita, Kansas. Wichita, Kansas. Dan, welcome to the show, bud. Thanks, Tom. It's good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. So, so give us a little bit of a background. For those who don't know who you are, um, like I didn't know a ton about you until uh last year when i got back into the highland games and i just kind of started looking you know who's in the pro class and all that stuff and i kept hearing about this dan tennyson guy this dan tennyson guy this guy's a freak this guy's you know whatever this that and i was like who the heck is this guy and then i started following you on social media and you know reading some of your posts and things that you were you know you're writing about and all that and i'm like holy cow so you know uh not everybody obviously, you know, knows you on that level or anything like that, but just give us a little bit of background, like uh, your, your, your high school, you know, what you, what you did in high school in terms of athletics, if you did any, anything like that, if you, you know, did anything in college and then, you know, getting you to the point that you're at right now. Yes, sir. Uh, so I, I grew up like, like most of us who continue competing when we're adults. Um, I tried, you know, pretty much every sport when I was a kid, I did baseball, basketball, football. Um, and then when I got to high school, I kind of, uh, you know, specialized. I was a football player my whole life and uh, that was going to be my future. You know, I thought when I was a kid, I was going to be an NFL player. Like I think we all do when we're playing Pop Warner or whatever. Yeah. And I, I wrestled, played football in uh, in high school for a couple of years. And then my football coach uh, told me to come out and try to throw the discus. Um, so my sophomore year, I went out and threw shot and discus. 
and uh, I took to it pretty quickly. I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't set the world on fire or anything, but, but I really enjoyed throwing. So I, uh, I scrapped everything else and focused on throwing in high school and uh, got the opportunity to go throw at Southeast Missouri State in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. It's a little small mid-major D1 school, um, pretty good, pretty good track program uh, in the Ohio Valley Conference. And, uh, I, I wasn't ever good enough at, at anything to be a specialist. You know, I wasn't a shot putter. I wasn't a discus guy, a weight guy, hammer guy. I did it. I, I was the jack of all trades at conference. Nice. Uh, yeah. So it, it kind of, you know, has helped uh, later in life with this, you know, having nine events. Um to be able to kind of call on on all those events, all those all those uh, throwing events in college. Um, so, what were your best? Did you throw javelin? I did. I, I was a terrible javelin thrower. I think I went like one seventy something. Um, I my college career was really funny, man. I was two hundred and ten pounds <laughs> in college. What? Yeah, I, I, I weighed about three thirty in high school. I was a big, fat, slow, sloppy guy. Um, and then I, I lost about a hundred pounds between my senior year of high school and my sophomore year of college. Holy my, crap. Yeah, yeah. To my coach's dismay, they were not very supportive of that decision on of mine. Uh, yeah. so I threw in college, I think I topped out at about 220 pounds. Um, and I was a 54 foot shot putter, uh, right at six nice. weight thrower, um, you know, mid one sixties discus guy. Uh, we didn't have hammer in, in the OVC outdoor, but I threw, 170s to 180 something in that range and then and then the javelin as well so so i i competed in, in a really small conference yeah. did pretty well for myself i ended up winning two conference championships in the weight throw nice yeah it, it, you know it, it i'm going to be honest with you it was a really weak conference and i hit it at a good time had i been there two years before or two years after my career i i might not even have made finals so yeah <laughs> ovc was that with uh siu like edwardsville or is that siu uh SIU was MVC, uh, but oh, okay. you know, we had uh, Murray State, Austin P, Tennessee State. Uh, okay, okay, yeah, or, yeah. You know, a couple of those those type schools, but but SIU was our big rival actually, which is kind of funny. Non really? Yeah, we were you know forty five minutes to an hour away from them, so we did all meets together. Nice, nice, very cool. Yeah, because I know, I, well, I know now um, they're kind of like a powerhouse down there. They have John Smith and his wife are down there, I believe, or no, they've left. They went. They went to Old Miss recently, but they were down there for a long time. That's they right. had a, they had a ton of great throwers down there and stuff like that. I think like for God, I think I want to say at least like six, seven years in a row, they had a girl that was like pushing, you know, seventy to seventy-five feet in the weight throw, yeah, um, like every year. And they had like multiple girls that were like over sixty-five feet and pushing seventy feet. And then they had like one girl about every two years that was just crushing everybody else in the weight throw. So it was really cool to see all that. So, you know, your college thrower and all that stuff, like, like how did that transfer over to what you're doing now? Like, like you didn't go right into the Highland games, right? Did I hear that correctly? That's right. I, I didn't throw anything for 10 years. Oh yeah. I, uh, my twenties were filled with 20 year old activities. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so what brought you to the Highland games? What got you involved in that? So I power lifted for a few years um, and then ended up opening uh, Valhalla Barbell, my gym now. Um, and a buddy of mine uh, found the Highland Games and asked me if I wanted to go try it out. You know, he said, You're, you were in power in college. You want to try this sport out? And I looked it up and it looked really super awesome. So I went and did it. Um, I threw in the C class and, uh, you know, took to it like a duck to water, really. And, yeah. and, and here we are now, you know, that, that was yeah. really it simple i just wanted to go do something that looked cool and and uh, i figured i was an ex-thrower and i was pretty strong so i thought i might be okay at it yeah it's usually a good combination when you're looking at the, <laughs> at the highland so so last year was your first year as a pro right that's correct yes sir. you're, you're kind of just uh you know getting your feet wet so to speak when it comes to the pro market or the pro class and then this year this is kind of like a a, a, a kind of step in the, like a, a step further in that direction like you're going to be competing at the arnold this year, which is a the pretty stacked class this year. They're, they're doing it a little bit differently than they did last year. There's not a pro class and an amateur class. There's just the open class. And then I saw, um, you know, I was looking through some stuff and, and I saw you got an invite to the world championships this year. Yes, sir. Absolutely. That's uh, awesome. That was, that was a really awesome email to read, man. Oh, absolutely. No, that, that congrats on that. That is a huge accomplishment. That's, you know, obviously the, 
the, the, the pinnacle of, you know, the sport and all that stuff. And especially having somebody like Dan McKim, who's no longer going to be competing. Um, I would you know venture to say that, you know, the, the, that throne, so to speak is wide open this year. So I'm really excited to see what you guys can all, you know, do in terms of who ends up coming out on top. Cause that's in uh, Victoria this year, right? Yes, sir. That's right. It's, it's an early one. It's in May. So we're, all kind of adjusting our schedule over to start peaking now, you know, when in, in years past, we'd start peaking in July or so. So the, the, the big thing that, that I noticed about you, and it's, this isn't necessarily a knock on other throwers or anything along those lines, but you have, you seem to have, when it comes to your training, um, you have such a methodical approach to training. You're not always posting, you know, big lifts or big throws. Um, you post, you know, the, the quote-unquote like mundane stuff right. on a frequent basis. So just kind of give me a little bit of background. Like you said, you have a powerlifting background. You have a college track and field background. Like where do you get your inspiration and your your like the, the backbone of how you program your training and your approach to training on a day-in and day-out basis to get you ready for now the the, the, the Highland Games season? Sure. I, uh, I I program with a with a guy at my gym named Dal Gaines. Uh, he does my lifting now. Um, and and really the the lifting is kind of kind of his baby. Uh, I like to just go into the gym and and read a piece of paper and do what the piece of paper says. Uh, now now I have input in that too, right? Because he's not a thrower and I am, and I understand what we should be doing. But yeah, man, I, I I'm really fortunate um, to be in the place I am as as far as the gym goes because I'm surrounded by people who are are doing really good things in powerlifting and in whatever sport they choose. Um, so we kind of have a no bullshit approach. Um, we'll call each other out if we're trying to be stupid so that, you know, it keeps you grounded and it keeps you doing the, the boring shit when, I mean, you know, as well as anybody, man, when you go in there and you're having a good day, you want to put a 105% on the bar and try to lift it every time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so, you know, to, to your point, um, it's been really good having my coach, quote unquote, around every time I train to kind of pull back the reins when I need to or to, uh, or to push me when I need to. Um, and, and that's the lifting side. As far as the throwing goes, um, you know, Spencer, I think he said it best. People that threw in college, and you know, you included, we bring a track and field background to the Highland Games. Whereas yeah. in years past, it's kind of just been big, strong guys that went out and threw. Um, and a lot of them didn't have that, that background. Um, so I think that's why you're seeing the sport um, evolve the way it is with, you know, with the world records getting broken. Oh my God. I, I feel like every weekend I would go click on like the NASGA page. Somebody was breaking yeah. some record this year. Like it was just, it was insane. And that was, so I threw, um, I, 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 I got in the Highland games right after college, very like similar to you. It was one of those things. Um, the guy that was the head athletic trainer at my school was like, Hey, I was playing football and I had injured myself. So I took the year off of football and I was just working out, starting my off season track workouts. And he's like, Hey, what are you doing this weekend? I was like, nothing. He goes, well, instead of going and throwing at like a, at the circles by yourself, like come down to Grant park with me. So I came down, I went into the city of Chicago, threw the Highland games for the first time. Like you said, took to it like a duck in water. And I threw, and so Gillingham was actually the guy I kind of traveled around with in the Midwest. Like we were both amateurs around the same time. And so Gillingham and I kind of traveled, like we drove all the way out to Virginia a couple times and stuff like that. And then I decided, you know, smartest decision in the world, you know, sort of sorry, sort of sarcastic, sort of not. Uh, I decided I stopped throwing altogether and I focused on weightlifting. So I wanted to make, you know, you get that chance to kind of try to make an Olympic team, you want to take it. So I had left. And this was kind of around the same time that Matt Vincent went pro and he started winning worlds and him and Dan were going back and forth and all that stuff. But like the depth at the top of the pro class just wasn't quite there. And then, you know, Spencer started to come on, Gillingham started to come on. And then, you know, Chuck came on and all these guys started to come on. And then I came back last year and I was just, it was like night and day difference. Like I, I finally started getting back into throwing, talking to people and all that stuff. And it was just night and day difference, the amount of depth. And what I was noticing was, like you were saying, there's a lot of throwers that are involved now. And, you know, some of the ideas that like I had about training, like I, when I threw for the Highland Games, I had a very Bonderchuk approach, like range throwing, so to speak. I wasn't always trying to throw it as far as I possibly could, but I would set up a range, try to throw it in there. And I was just, it blew my mind how many you know, throwers now, especially in the games, like have that kind of methodical approach or that kind of similar, you know, of focusing on a range or focusing on like a technical 
aspect or whatever they're training. And like you said, like, I think that is the big reason, like the sport has grown so much in the depth, not in just like the, 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 the pro class, but you look at like the master's classes, the A's, B's, C's, like a women's class, like all the different classes, like it's just so deep from top to bottom that it's really cool to see. And it's going to help kind of grow the sport, kind of push it, you know, a little bit more into the, 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 the front stage there when, you know, when you're looking at all these different, you know, strength sports to kind of pick which ones you want to watch. I agree. I, I wish that, that more people would watch it, man. It, it's, you know, I've gone to powerlifted meets and not lifted and watched. They're so boring. Yeah. Uh, you know, Highland games all day. I feel like you can be engaged and, you know, there's a going on all the time yeah. or a caver or, you know, you've got somebody there that you want to watch that kind of stands out and it, it kind of keeps your interest uh, all day. Um, so, so I, I hope that happens, man. I hope, I hope we get to the, we need, we need, we need to get ESPN back involved. Like they, I don't know if you've ever seen any of the old footage of the ultimate heavy athletics. That was actually some of the first stuff I ever watched. So, um, if you had to put like a label on the way you train, um, you know, there's like conjugate, there's, you know, linear periodization, all these different fancy names for programming. Like what kind of label would you put on the way you train? Uh, it, it's close to conjugate. I, I'm not exactly a conjugate guy, but yeah. when I tell you how I lift, you're going to be like, yeah, you are. I have a power day, a speed day, dynamic day, and, and then a volume day, I call it. Yeah. Um, so so we kind of stay there all year. Um, in the off season, I'll do a little bit more strength. Uh, I'll do a lot more strength work. Yeah. And, and then keep, uh, you know, keep the explosiveness high too. But, but now Absolutely. we're switching. Yeah, now we're switching over to a little bit less strength work and and a little bit little bit moving better, moving quicker and, and power out. Now, the one thing that uh, attracted me, I guess, to the way you trained and stuff like that is you utilize the snatch, right? Um, and not just you know, and I don't again, sorry, all the other Highland Game guys that might be listening stuff. I don't mean to knock them, but like not like an ugly like muscly type snatch or anything like that. Like you legitimately like do a full snatch like you you, you you've snatched 300 what 315 325 pounds yes sir yes sir 350 and that's competitive you know in like it, 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 you walk into any meet and uh that's about 143 kilos you know in, in the snatch like that's gonna be competitive no matter where you go at a local meet um and it just it's impressive to me because uh dane miller who runs garage train he's a longtime thrower works with some of the best throwers in the world and also focuses on weightlifting has always said like throwers are some of the most explosive athletes and like weightlifting should be recruiting more of them right and so it's really cool because you started reaching out to me kind of asking you know little pieces of information here and there about you know throw or you know um the, the snatch and stuff like this i kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about that like what is your main reason goal focus whatever that that you decided like the snatch is the one lift that you were going to bring into your training that was going to help with you know your throwing because not a lot of guys if they're going to pick one between the snatch and the clean they're going to do cleans right. you see a lot of throwers doing cleans and stuff like that but like i see guys at your gym doing jerks i see guys at your gym doing snatches snatch balances um you know stuff along those lines so what kind of pushed you into that into that realm Sure. Um, I will say when I started, uh, I didn't Olympic lift until 2016. Um, and there's a lot of videos out there of me just star fishing the shit out of it and, and, you know, power snatching everything. Yeah. Um, but I, I made it a point to get better at, at snatching and trying to do it correctly, uh, for the simple reason that I wanted to know how to switch the muscles on and off. Yeah. Uh, you know what I I wanted to know how to turn it on in the blink of an eye and then get, you know, be stable and then unstable and then catch stable again. Yeah. Um, I think there's a ton of parallel between, you know, casting a weight and, and getting in double support where you're, where you're applying force. And then when you sprint, you're, you're not doing anything. You're, you're switched off, so to speak, when you're in the air and then you catch again and, and you apply force again. So it just logically made sense to me that the snatch was the way to do that. Absolutely. Um, that's really all it, all it boiled down to. And, and my goal was always just to be stronger at it. You know what I mean? I, I want to have pristine technique. I worked my technique and I worked hard at it, but, but my programming every day was at a percentage where I knew I was going to have to work my ass off and learn how to learn how to apply force and be explosive. So that's really, oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. No, I mean, it's just, that's the thing is even just, you know, I didn't pay too much attention last off season. So I don't have nothing to really compare it to, but even just this off season, like you went from, you know, snatching like 275, catching it, you know, pretty high mm-hmm. to being able to catch, you know, 315 at a decent depth, good explosion, good use of the hips and all that stuff. And as a weightlifting coach, you know, it's something that made me happy to see. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's been really cool to see, you know, somebody not with a weightlifting background. Um, and now as I find out, you know, not a ton of weightlifting experience in general, take to a complex, a technical movement like the snatch and be able to create a level of mastery that is going to directly carry over to their sport. I mean, um, we get all the time when I, when I talk to strength coaches or you hear strength coaches talking that the clean and the snatch are too hard to train, you know, college at level, you know, football players and stuff like that, or they're too dangerous, et cetera, et cetera. Like, what is your thought on that? Like, do you think this is something that more strength coaches should be paying attention to at least trying to learn the basics to teach their athletes? Or do you think that they should just kind of, you know, go with the biggest bang for their buck uh, when it comes to coaching, like the college level athletes? Oh man, I, I seeing the difference that it's just had in the way that I move um, early in the season this year. I, I couldn't recommend enough uh, these guys, you know, switching over to the, to the explosive pulls, even if, you know, you know, to that point, when I'm in season, I'm probably not going to be catching um, the snatch or the clean. I'm probably going to be doing high pulls. Yeah. But, but, you know, turning it on like that, like there's no real danger of getting hurt by doing a snatch high pull, in my opinion. You know, I'm sure there is, no. but it's minimal, man. It's minimal. minimal. You let, go, um, let go of the bar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen more people you know, blow shit out deadlifting incorrectly or squatting incorrectly. And then you see some jackass that, that does a snatch high pull incorrectly. And like you said, you just let go of the bar and you're out of, you're out of harm's way. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't know where the disconnect is between why wouldn't you want your athletes to be more explosive? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know like USAW is trying to make better, they're, they're, they're trying to make better relationships with the NC and NSCA and you know the 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 high school federations and all because there are some high school there's some states that have like high school leagues for weightlifting they mostly focus on like the power clean and stuff like that but it's just one of those things like i I just that always kind of like you said like the end goal is to be a better athlete but 90 percent of athletes you want them to be more explosive and i have yet to find something that teaches you how to be as explosive as possible outside of the lifts. Yes, you can do box jumps, plyo drills, you know, stuff with sleds and bands and chains and all that stuff, but just nothing is just going to beat the Olympic lift. So yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page you are. Like, I really don't understand where that disconnect comes from. And I don't understand why it's still a taboo thing in the strength and conditioning world. Now it's obviously changing for the clean, but I personally, um, I actually, when I first started weightlifting, the clean and jerk was my favorite, but I hated the snatch. But now as I'm getting older, um, I take way too long to recover from a heavy clean and jerk session versus I can hit a heavy snatch session week after week after week, change up all the variations and stuff like that and still be able, you know, still be able to do the rest of my training. So I I wonder how long it's going to take before that carries over into, you know, the, the college strength and conditioning levels. Now, um, does your coach do a lot of your work with you or with the, with, with, with the technical side of the snatches or do you, I, I, I think I saw some, you post something about strength guild. Yeah. Um, working with them or stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Phil Stevens at strength guild um, was the guy that I wanted to reach out to. I saw what he was doing with his athletes and, and I saw what his affiliate gyms were doing with their athletes and who, how they were cranking people out. And, and what drew me to him was, you know, when we spoke, he, he pretty much told me, I just want you to be strong. I, you know, the technical stuff, we can fine tune the, the thing over the course of your lifting career, but like, let's get you strong and then let's focus on the, the minutia and the, and the, the nuance for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, that, that really, really uh, drew me to Phil Stevens and, and we still have a really good relationship. Actually, Dal and Phil kind of work together. So uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Mo- most of the programming I do is, is, is a kind of a mixture, admixture of, of both of those guys and, and Phil's Bill's been really, really beneficial to me as a 
and as somebody who can watch my list and stuff, yeah. That's awesome. And that's what I love to hear too, the, the the aspect that you said, like, let's get you strong in the lifts and then we can worry about the technique as you go. I think a lot of times you get people, I was just actually talking to somebody that was in the gym today about this. You know, you get a lot of those people that are caught up with the paralysis by analysis and they're focusing on every little technical aspect. Well, my feet aren't in the proper position or my wrists aren't at the right angle or this or that. And it's just like, no, let's just make the lift. And then we can evaluate and focus on fixing one thing at a time and then just kind of keep building from there. Um, that's really great to hear that you have a resource like that too. Cause that's the other thing too, is, you know, with the advent of social media and the way things work, like it's just, it's so easy nowadays. Like you, like you said, you and I have never physically met person to person, but you, you shot me messages numerous times being like, Hey, what do you think about this kind of a deal? And it's just, it's so great to have resources like that now at our fingertips Thanks to social media, thanks to the internet and stuff along those lines. Um, but I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about your gym. Mm -hmm. um, not only do you have a cool name, the Hall of Barbell, um, but you have some like freaks in general that I see you posting video about from there. You know, I see guys posting, you know, 800 plus pound squats and, you know, uh, uh, 400 kilo deadlift, stuff like that. Um, talk about the gym a little bit because I don't think it, it seems like uh, – a, it seems like a cool space that if I'm ever in that area, I want to definitely check it out, hang out with you and uh, uh, Skylar. But uh, I just just talk about the gym. Talk about how that works into everything else you do because that's not like your main gig. Like, yes, you're the owner and all stuff, but you also have a regular full-time job and a family and all that stuff. But talk about the gym. Like, how did that come to be? Um, how have you attracted, you know, the clientele? Like, what do you guys do at the gym and stuff like that? And then where did all these quote-unquote freaks come from? Right. Um, it, it started, I, I lifted at a commercial gym here in town. And when I started really focusing on powerlifting, they really frowned on, you know, grunting, yelling, bleeding on the bar, chalk. Um, so I went in one day and asked my lifting partners if they wanted to open a gym together. And uh, I, I, within 12 hours, we had ordered a setup from Rogue. Nice. And the next day, yeah, I mean, it, it, it happened literally overnight. Um, the equipment was on my dock at work before we even had a space. Um, so then we rented that little, you know, junky dungeon garage that we have. And there was like six of us. Um, and this was January, 2015. Um, and then, man, it was just kind of like the field of dreams, you know, dude, if, if you build it, they will come type. Deal. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there wasn't a resource in the area for people that wanted to push themselves in, in strength sports. You just, you didn't see it. You know, you saw people lifting in a commercial gym and they're, they're just, they're not getting what they need. They're not, they're not having people watching that know what the hell they're talking about. They're getting a ton of, right, right. you know, from gym bros that have no freaking clue um, what they're doing. So we just kind of hopped into the powerlifting scene and, and made a name for ourselves in the area and, if anybody in the powerlifting community had, had seen a person in the area that, that they thought had some potential, they'd send them our way. And we, uh, it, it's, it's really cool. We operate as a, as a co-op. Um, I don't make any money off the gym. Every dollar I've ever got in dues has gone back into the gym. That's awesome. It, it, it's, it's really, really cool, man. It's something I'm really proud of. We've gone from having a GHR, a deadlift platform that I built a squat rack and a, and a bench to having, you know, 2,400 square feet of every piece of strength equipment that, that you could really want within reason. That's um, awesome. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I know really Skylar, cool. Skylar posted about a belt squat and I'm super jealous of that because that's on my short list of like pieces of equipment I want to get for my gym as well. But, um, so how long has the gym been open? Three years. We opened in January, 2015. Very cool. Very cool. And is it just like powerlifting strength athletes or you, you guys kind of dabbled in other markets and stuff like that? I would imagine out near you, um, CrossFits are, are, are still, you know, in abundance. Like I know out here, I feel like they're like Walgreens or, you know, a shopping store. Like I just every corner there's a CrossFit, it seems. Is that is that kind of a bigger market down by you guys or not as much? That's why you guys were able to, you know, thrive the way you were. Yeah, absolutely. We we got several people that came from doing their own thing in a CrossFit gym to to training specifically with us because they wanted to either power lift or do strongman or Olympic lift solely, you know, solely do those things, solely do That's strength. Awesome. Yeah, it, it was cool. They didn't want to do the functional thing anymore, you know, quote unquote, they didn't want to do the CrossFit. Yeah. Um, so so we, we had a couple of people come over from those gyms for sure. 
Very cool. So now, the whole thing that got me like, this guy needs to be on the podcast. We need to talk. Your Facebook post the other day. Yes, sir. We were talking. You were talking with some throwers, um, and I shared it because while the post was geared towards throwing, it, it it can be applied to any you know skill that you're trying to pick up and stuff like that. And I just kind of wanted to dive into like the mentality, the philosophicalness of it, if you would, of that post and all that. So I kind of just you don't have to give me the entire post or anything like that. Just give me kind of the cliff notes of it. And I just want to kind of talk about that. And, you know, I, I think that is just something that more athletes need to hear about. They need to hear about that mentality and that approach to acquiring a skill and perfecting their craft and finding something that works for them. So if you wouldn't mind, I just want to talk about that a little bit. Just give me kind of what spurred that on. Um, you know, talk about your reference points and all that stuff and just what, what you were trying to – the point you are trying to get across with that post. Right. So, so when I started throwing seriously um, – I watched probably a thousand hours of video of, you know, Matt Vincent, Dan McKim, Spencer, um, Andy Chuck, those guys, the guys that were throwing for, I watched them. Um, And I noticed they all did things differently. Um, But in a, in kind of a thought experiment thing, if you removed the person from the, from the implement, if you could just see what the implement was doing, there's so many similarities between those styles. You know what I mean? There's a low point and a high point. Mm-hmm. Um, the weight's accelerating. It's being released at a very similar angle. Um, and, and it's because, you know, science dictates that we have to do things in throwing or in lifting or in whatever. Um, and until you get the scientific part of it down, until you understand what you're supposed to be doing objectively, you can't start making it your own. And, and, and that goes with anything. And I see so many people online um, all the time that y- you hit the nail on the head earlier. They focus on the minutia. They focus on what's my wrist angle supposed to be? What's my, how am I supposed to turn at the back of the trig? That's been a huge one in the Highland games. Um, well, you're, until you understand the, the basics and the fundamentals of it, it you're, you're spinning your wheels and you're focusing on the wrong shit. Like I, I see people all the time in throwing, this is the big one that can't finish a throw. They can't finish a stone. They, they don't, they don't lead with their hips. There's no separation. There's no strike. Um, in the weights, it's the same way. You see people, you know, blowing out of the left of the trig. They're not posting over their left leg. They're not using their hips. They're not finishing at all. And they're asking questions about their cast height or, or their, you know, what, what's my arm angle supposed to be here? And, and I just wanted to communicate that until you make it to a certain level, you don't need to focus on that shit. You know, you need to focus on the bread and butter or the throws or the lifts, and, and then you can make it your own, and then you can become an artist and, and have your own technique. Um, and, and it really manifests itself online when you see people giving advice. I don't know if you notice that, but yeah. like, you, you'll see a guy throwing and he'll ask for tips, and then you have 16 different dudes get on there and, and tell them their way of throwing. Yeah. And, and, and again, I'm not trying to knock anybody, but of those 16 people, 16 of them don't know what the hell they're doing either, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and they're telling this person to focus on on the, the art of the throw instead of the science. And, and I just wanted to communicate to people that until you get the bread and butter down, you, you're spinning your wheels focusing on the stuff that the pros do or, or that, you know, Spencer does or Chuck does, you know, you're, you're, you're really focusing on the wrong things. Yeah, for sure. And it's really funny. You kept bringing up Spencer. I know we've talked about him a lot or stuff like that. Um, but I really feel like he is a one of a kind type athlete. Like I said, I, I commented on that post talking to Gillingham and it probably was Gillingham. I said it to, but I remember the first time I saw somebody like Spencer throw, like you see Spencer, you look at him and He's a big dude, but right. the amount of quickness and the amount of speed that that man possesses, like you probably wouldn't have guessed half of it was there. Like he's just, he's, he's, he's big, strong dude, um, probably moves fairly well, but I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, he is probably one of the most explosive and graceful individuals all at the same time, you know, when he throws. And I, I, I always love when people try to copy stuff that, you know, those one percenters can pull off. Um, in weightlifting, I don't know if you've seen any of uh, Wes Kitz's uh, videos and stuff like that. Um, sure. He's one of our best 105 lifters. And I have heard people compare what they lift to what Wes Kitz is able to do. 
Right. And I just I just want to like grab them and be like, you've got to be kidding me. Like Wes yeah. Wes Kitts was he was a division one running back. Um he is in that one percent group, like just a complete freak athlete. Um I don't remember exactly why he 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 was trying to make it to the NFL and I don't remember exactly what happened. And then he just kind of took up weightlifting on a whim and in no time was snatching 150, was clean and jerking 190. Like those are ridiculous numbers. Right. And you see people trying to compare and figure out how they can mimic what he does. And I'm like, you just don't understand like the amount of force and the, 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 the rate of that force production that Wes can put out, like not too many people can do. Um, like the top of the top of the top. And I just love the fact that like when I'm coaching athletes, I'm very much the same. Like we were talking about that again today. We had somebody come to the gym and kind of film a YouTube series with us. And we were talking about how when I coach an athlete, like I focus on the basics. Like I want you to get the basics down. I have about three or four main points that I focus on. And then as things are going, we'll start adding little pieces here or there that are beneficial to that athlete because not every athlete is built the same. So I just love the fact that from a sport considered so, I guess, barbaric as the Highland Games, you're starting to get these more methodical approaches and stuff like that. And it was just, it was really great to see that. Um, and it's also a little bit of vindication because when you're talking to athletes and stuff like that, you know, it, it helps to have other people saying the same stuff and stuff like that. So, <clears throat> you know, you, you've done quite a bit. You, you've been pretty successful and all that stuff. If you had somebody come up to you, you know, young kid, 18, 19 years old, kind of asking, you know, advice in terms of them following you know a similar path or anything along those lines let's start with the negative what are three things you wish you could go back and do differently about how you've gotten to where you are three things yeah um the first thing would be to not focus so much on one particular event early mm -hmm. um you can't specialize in these games and it's kind of coming back to haunt me a little bit in the pro class with my hammers. Um, I didn't work the hammers very much and now it's cost me a couple of probably wins to be honest with you, you know, yeah. big wins in the being, being not great at the hammers because I focus so much on, on uh, weights. Um, so, so that would be my first one is, you know, don't spend too much time on one event. Um, it, there's nine events. You got to practice all of them and you got to be solid at all of them. If you want to, if you want to progress in the sport. Mm -hmm. Um, the second one would be, um, as far as, as dealing with ADs in a sport, um, you need to reach out to those people and, and develop a rapport with them early. If your plan is to go pro, especially, mm -hmm. um, I see a ton of guys and, and I, I didn't really do this time, so, but, but this is what I see. Um, so I apologize for strain, but no, no. you see guys throw and they throw really well, but they only throw in their own backyard. You know, they don't travel to the West coast or the East coast and, and they, they're not, they're not networking. And, and, and you know, as well as anybody that this game can be political at times. Oh yeah. And, and if you're a better thrower than somebody that the AD knows or, or, or has a rapport with, then you're probably not going to get into the game. Um, so that would be my second one. And, and the third one is, um, is training. I, I didn't start doing this explosive stuff until this offseason, really, or, or the middle of last year. I would really start focusing on becoming an explosive athlete instead of just being statically strong. I, I power lifted through my first season. I even competed in power lifting through my first season. And I think it, you know, probably, probably held me back a little bit. Okay. So I like that a lot. I mean, like I said, we're, you're talking about the Highland games, but I feel like that stuff can be applicable to almost any sport and all like the network. thing is huge. Um, even in, you know, I'll use my background of weightlifting right now. And like, that's one of the things I see all the time is like people just showing up to me, lifting a lot of weight and stuff like that. And they get like, well, why is nobody paying attention to me? Why am I not getting this or that? And it's like, if you're a jerk, nobody's going to want to deal with you. Um, right. Same thing with the Highland games. Like I see all the time. We, we used to have a term, we used to call them track guys. Yeah. The ones that would show up, throw real big, not talk to anybody, have their headphones in the entire time, go sit in their chair, go sit by themselves, all that stuff. And it was just like, come on, man, got to interact. You got to go talk to the crowd. You got to do, you know, your thing. Um, 
you know, so what is next for you? Like, what are some big goals you have, whether it's lifting or, you know, competing stuff along those lines, like what is next for Dan Tennyson? Yeah, actually, um, as far as lifting goes, I would really like to go to the American open once, man. I, and I know that's a long shot. Um, but, but when I started weightlifting and I started watching guys, you know, the, the 125 plus class, I, yeah, I really thought that it wasn't too out of the realm of possibility for me to total 300 kilos and compete at the American open once, even if it's in the D flight where nobody cares about, you know, it'd just be cool to go and be part of that atmosphere. Here's a, here's a piece um, of advice though. The the, yeah. the, 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 super heavyweight class, there aren't a lot of big explosive guys that are putting up those totals. So we don't have a D class. It's usually just a and B. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I, I would like to do that. I, I don't know if it'll ever happen or if I'll ever dedicate enough time to do it Yeah, because I know, you know, I don't take it lightly. I'm not going to say, Hey, I could go throw up 300 kilos. Um, but I, I would like to do that. And it's, you know, as far as throwing goes, uh, when you get an invitation to throw at a, at a national championship or a world championship, if you, if your goal isn't to win, then what the hell are you doing? You yeah. Know? Right. Um, that, that's my goal. I, I, and I make no bones about it and I know what I need to work on and I know, um, who I need to beat and how I, how I need to beat them. And, that's my goal. And I'm focused on that hundred percent this year. I'd love to win worlds and I'd love, I'd love to compete to the best of my ability at worlds um, and, and Pleasanton and loon and, and Celtic later in the year. Yeah. Um, those are the, those are the four games that I really have my sights set on that. I want to compete. My, that, that's my goals for 2018. Any, any plans, any time to go over to Scotland and compete, do games week or something like that. Yeah. I, I'd like to go in 2019. Nice. Um, I'd like to make a stop in Iceland um, and kind of just see that country. I've seen a lot of videos from, from buddies that have gone on, done those things. And it just looks awesome, man. You know, we should, um, you, know, you know, what we should do is we should get Ryan Stewart to be a guide and we should get a bunch of, right? we should get a bunch of us together and go do all the stone challenges and go do some throwing between like Scotland and Iceland and all those areas up there. Cause I've been, I've, Dude, I've, I've been getting into the, the stone, like lifting and watching videos and reading up on it and stuff like that. And every time Ryan will uh, make a post, I'm always like going back to research what he was talking about or wh where the stone is located or something like that. And I started making like a little mini map of Scotland and Scotland has like enough of those little challenges. I think the last month, like they, they're just, they're all over the country. And then you throw in some Highland games in there. It could be, that could be a really cool trip, you know, get a bunch of us going, get somebody with a GoPro and just, you know, just film a bunch of stuff of us just messing around, throwing and lifting stuff like that. But we got to pitch that to Ryan, have him be our guide since he's been there a couple of times. And then I know he's going to Iceland this year too, um, to lift some of yeah. them. So that'll be cool to see. Cause the Husafelt stone, I think if you're a strength athlete and you've never even once gotten like a, a, a hankering to go to Iceland and lift the Husafelt stone, like, I think you're, you're, you're not doing it right. Um, I agree. I agree. I think with Stewart's arm, uh, and to doing that, man, <laughs> you know, I think he, he could be our tour guy oh, I think it, and go over there. And, I think if we told him right uh, now, he'd be like, all right, let's go. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that, that's one of my like bucket list items. I just want to get a bunch of dudes that like to, you know, lift stones and throw some stuff and just go do like a, go do like a summer and just go visit like Iceland and Scotland. And even, uh, I've heard, uh, Spain up in the Basque country. I just watched a documentary from rogue, um, about their, their, their stoneman competitions and stuff like that. And all that stuff is just like, it's unorthodox, but I'm like, that looks cool as hell. I want to try that out. Yeah, man. I watched those, uh, those dudes pull those huge bags yeah. with the suits. And so I watched that, that bass, uh, stone. That's crazy. Yeah, that, 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 that is... and then like they have, they, they look like just kegs with like little handles on them, but they're like 200 kilos that they're just like flipping over at with like, you know, up onto their shoulder and then dropping back down. I'm like, that looks dangerous, but I want to try it. It's kind of one of those things like when you're sitting with your buddy and you're like, hold my beer. Like, I'm going to go do this. Like, exactly. Just get a bunch of like-minded guys around to do that. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to go ahead and go right into our lightning round. You ready? Yes, sir. A little known fact about Hand Armor Chalk is that the owner, Tony Mattalone, is a former college strength and conditioning coach. Besides having years of experience working in the trenches to create a product like Hand Armor, his idea for his patent pending formula came out of necessity. Back in his coaching days, he had a few athletes with autoimmune issues that trained alongside the other athletes. Given their health issues, he needed a way to cut down on the spread of germs, and if you've ever been inside a college weight room, you know how tall of a task that can be. 
Tony set out to create a product that not only can be used individually by his athletes, but was also antimicrobial. Hence, Hand Armor Chalk was born. So whether you're a germaphobe or you're just looking to keep your gym a bit cleaner, go to handarmorchalk.com, check out all the products they have to offer, and get yourself some. Most athlete codes get you 10% off their purchases, but if you use code AGENDA, A-G-E-N-D-A, you save 15% off your Hand Armor order. So go with the Chalk of Champions and choose Hand Armor Chalk for your gym. And here we go. All right, lightning round. Ready? Ready. Let's do it. Okay. So we got a couple of questions. Um, we last year at the beginning, or between last year and this year, we've kind of put a couple of different questions together. The random have nothing to do with anything. Um, you got to give me an answer. You got to be able to defend it. Okay. And they're going to cover a wide range of topics. So this first one is a little bit of a newer question. I got asked it on a podcast. And when I was going, putting our guest list together, there were a couple of people that I wanted to ask this one. Okay. So the first question that you got is if there's anybody in the world, doesn't matter who, you get one free pass. You get to walk up to that person. You get to kick them square in the shin. No questions asked. You don't have to explain to them why. You just get to do it and walk away. Who is that person? Tanya Harding. Tanya Harding. I like it. Especially with the Winter Olympics going on and all that stuff. I like it. I like it. I'd ask her how it felt. There you right? go. Great. You know, karma. All right. Next one. Yeah. You have a map of the United States. All 50 states are out on this map, and just like a button, you can push one state, and that state is disappearing. What state are you eliminating from the union, and why? Idaho. Idaho. That, that is the first time somebody has said Idaho. Why are you getting rid of Idaho? Why are you getting rid of all our potatoes, Dan? Yeah. Uh, all the people are switching to low-carb diets, man. I'd like to help out the dieters, you know? <laughs> Keto-friendly. Be gone, Iowa. All right. <laughs> You're sitting at a bar after a Highland Games, uh, you know, get, get having a couple of drinks and all that stuff. A penguin comes walking into the bar wearing a sombrero, turns around, you and him make eye contact. What does he say to you? Holy shit, man. Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, let's, you want to sing some karaoke. How about that? He asked me to do karaoke. Are you, are, you, are you a karaoke guy? fucking love karaoke oh man we are we're gonna be like best friends man all right <laughs> next question you can be any color in a crayola crayon box i don't know how big these things get now I, I remember having like the 48 or the 64 colors they probably have 200 some odd colors now in one box um but if you could be any color in a crayola crayon box what color is it and why are you that color oh man uh i'll, I'll go boring man i'll go with my favorite color blue Blue, just regular old royal blue. Regular old royal blue, man. All right, that's all right, that's all right. Sometimes we need those regular colors in there. Basic. Not everybody can be. Everybody can be the neons and the, you know, the, the the floral color and the pastels and all that. All right. Last question, and I'll let you get out of here, my man. You're a WWE wrestler. Mm -hmm. What is your walkout music, and what is your 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 wrestling name? Katy Perry Roar is my walkout music. Um, and that's not even up for debate. That's just that's just what it is. Man. <laughs> Go on. If people ever saw like a picture of you or anything like that, I don't think anybody's arguing with you. Like, right. like, like you just hand them the track, and be like, "This is my song." They're gonna be like, "Yes, sir." Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Nickname. That's a good one, man. Um, I, I, can I go with the Viking? Is that is that allowed? Hey, I don't I'm, I'm cool with old school gimmicks and stuff like that. Like sometimes right. I think sometimes you need a little bit of the old school brought back into the new, the new wave of what's going on. Yeah, man, that, that was a bestowed upon me at a, at the old commercial gym and it kind of stuck. So uh, the Viking, the Viking with Katy Perry's right. roar. <laughs> yeah, I can see yeah. it. I can see it. Especially if you've got the, if you've got the hat or not the hat, but the, the, the helmet with the horns and like the whole garb, I think that would just make it even better. <laughs> Cause they're thinking, you know, some a little bit softer when the music hits and then you come through the curtain just in the whole getup. And it's like, that is, that is, you got shock value going Some with chubby one. bearded tattooed guy. In a yeah. Right? I like it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. So if people want to find out about more about you, want to reach out to you, uh, reach out about Valhalla Barbell Club and all that stuff. Um, where can they find you? Plug time, any websites, social media, stuff along those lines. Yeah. I'm on uh, Instagram at, djt underscore gsaf and then uh the gym is under valhalla barbell club and i'm also at facebook under d jones tennyson very cool so 
Yeah, man, I, I, I really always like getting questions and, and, you know, when you, when you, when you make it to the pro level and, and this is kind of why I reached out to you when you, when you have a little bit of re name recognition, you, I, I enjoy the questions. I enjoy talking to new people and enjoy answering. Oh, absolutely. Out, man. So, so yeah, reach out if you have anything for me and I'd be glad to talk with you. All right. Well, Dan, good luck this year, 2018. I will, I really look forward to being able to go back and rewrite the caption of this episode as 2018 world champion, Dan Tennyson. That would be um, I appreciate good, it. Good, good luck with the season and everything like that. Um, good luck at the Arnold. And uh, thank you very much for being on, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Thomas. Good talking with you, buddy. Thanks for listening to Strength Agenda Radio. Be sure to visit strengthagendaradio.com to join the conversation access the show notes, and discover exclusive offers and resources for our listeners. Until next time, train hard, lift heavy.